So we started the hike, you know, and uh, I think the first day we climbed a thousand meters. Where in the world is Ellen? Hey guys, I am currently in Seattle, Washington, but this story is about Peru and the trek up to Machu Picchu. But this podcast has a lot of cussing in it, and I just, I can't be sus to bleep it out, so there's a lot of cussing. A lot of swear words. That's your warning. Onward. When you're going to Peru, everyone always asks, oh, are you going to Machu Picchu? Uh... Sure, why not? I mean, it's one of the wonders of the world. I guess I should. It'll make Dana jealous. So I did. My story starts back in Guayaquil, Ecuador, where I met this Canadian guy, Todd. And this was the day that I got poorly kidnapped in a city that was totally flooded. There's a blog called Spidey Sense that someday I'll make into a podcast, but you can just check it out in the meantime. Anyway, when I met Todd, I was about eight beers in, trying to remove the day from my memory. And this is really important to the story because Todd wrote me this note that he left in my shoe saying, hey, we should go climb Machu Picchu together. We kept in contact. I went to the Galapagos and then I met him in Lima. I didn't really remember Todd, but apparently he fancied me, like really fancied me. And also for the first time ever, I realized that I had misread all the signals when he kissed me, which would have been all great, except he smelled of death. Ew. And remember that he was Canadian, which means that he's overly sensitive. And in my head, I was trying to think of the best way to inform him that he smelled while still being subtle and nice because otherwise he couldn't take it and he would start leaking from the face. And I tried apologizing since that's what they're used to. Hey, Todd, can we brush our teeth? And sadly, this made it worse somehow. So I feigned a headache and went to bed. The next morning, he was beyond chatty, but not in the pleasant way, in the kvetching about the world way. How Peruvians do this, and how Peruvians do that, and how unsafe things are, and how unsanitary things are, and how he misses his first world home. Is Canada even a first world country? As if this wasn't enough, this was all before my morning cup of joe. And I'm the type of person that needs coffee, not just to wake up, but to ease the coping of the world's negativity. Especially this morning. Oh, how I hate to get up in the morning. Oh, how I'd love to remain in bed for the hardest blow of Because I couldn't get a word in edgewise, Todd decided that we were going to book tickets for Cusco. After checking out his passport, something a girl should always do, I realized that he was double my age. Double ill. So you know these things where you just can't unsee something? That's what started happening. Everything he did, I just imagined that he needed a walker or denture cream or a double ARP card. He insisted on eating dinner at 4.30. He kept misplacing things and forgetting where landmarks are. He also took to bossing me around like a parent would do to their child, which was not only really creepy, but also, if you knew me, my dad wouldn't even do this. All his other qualities kept piling up and just made him a really ugly and stinky person. And I knew that I had to get away from him as soon as we landed in Cusco, which gave me 12 hours to figure out a nice way to tell somebody to politely fuck off. 
but I couldn't come up with anything. I tried to think of the things that I liked about him, and I came up with two things. One, he speaks Spanish better than me. And two, he also speaks English. That was it. Here's a list of things that I hated about him. He reeked of death. He reminded me of a dinosaur. He's not funny or has any sense of humor, because he's Canadian. He chews chunky peanut butter with his mouth open. He checks a bag. Seriously? Who does that? He doesn't like the Beatles. But I should just stop there, because I only have 20 minutes to tell this story, and I could go on. Basically, he had no redeeming qualities to be a friend, let alone a travel partner, let alone any romantic interest. Huge deal breakers. He had to go. So we went and checked into the hostel where I spent St. Patrick's Day booking a tour, the hardest tour for the next day. Well, day binge drinking in the highest Irish pub in the world. Meanwhile, Lauren, who's going to help me tell this story, is also in Cusco. And then I basically was going to go on the Machu Picchu trail on my own until I ended up hooking up with this Dutch guy. And I thought it'd be quite nice to go with him. So he had decided we were going to do the Salkantai trail, which turned out was the hardest and the highest and the longest. And I thought, yeah, fuck it, it'll be fine. Like, completely unfit overweight just massively hanging and thought fuck it it'll be fine now i chose salkatai trail because it was the hardest highest and longest trek i wanted something that was so difficult that there's no way that old man todd was going to follow me next morning we wake up really really early all bunched onto this bus the driver picks me up and he's like oh hey where's todd and i'm like uh what How do you even know about Todd? The driver's like, yeah, he's on the list. Yeah, that happened. I should let you know that the Salkatai is the local route, or donkey route, which means that it's the route that is currently being used by everyone and anyone who wants to get up to Machu Picchu without using the expensive Inca Trail. That's not the important part. The important part is that I have to spend the next five fucking days with this guy, this guy who fancied me, who was super awkward and I didn't want to see, hear, or smell anymore. Luckily, there were 20 of us total, and I became friends with Lauren very quickly. And everyone started to get to know each other. I think the first person, I, one of the first people I probably spoke to was Ellen. Well, no, I didn't really speak to her. I heard her <laughs> loudly exclaiming that she was going to live in Australia. So I um, grabbed her and told her about how my brother was living there, and I think we struck up a bit of a bond after that. Todd cornered me in this cafe at breakfast and tried to talk to me. I, very maturely, told him, no, I don't know you, you don't know me, everything that happened never happened, goodbye, because I'm 12. I already envisioned this trip of how I was going to go, and would I really want to argue with this guy? Because that's going to waste a lot of oxygen, and oxygen's going to become really precious really soon. So, really, being cordial with him was going to be hazard to my health. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. So we start hiking. I remember this day being really hot, stuffy, gross with humidity that stuck to you like wet spider webs that you wander into. And towards the end of the day, I started hiking with Lauren. And we got to this stream, 
Oh, okay. Actually, it was more than a stream. And it was like a fucking rapid and it was like dusk. It was getting dark. And it was fucking mental. I remember thinking, fuck, I'm going to die right now. I was completely exhausted from like all the tra- the, all the trekking we'd already done. And then we had to like traverse this fucking rapid. It wasn't really the one. By this time, we had hiked 18 kilometers and up 1,000 meters. We were exhausted and it was freezing. Yeah, it was pretty fucking cold. We were camped next, next to this massive glacier. And all I can remember thinking was that like... I really need to make sure, sure that I had a poo because, like, if I didn't have a poo, what the fuck, I hadn't had a poo that day and I needed to make sure I didn't miss my window because there's going to be a lot of hiking going along and I couldn't be dealing with any poo backing up in my bag. Side note, it doesn't really matter what trek you're on. I find that the bathroom habits and hygiene become something that everyone talks about. Anyway, we pitched the tents and ate some dinner, some people were already getting sick, and we all went off to bed. Well, some of us slept. It was like I didn't go to sleep at all. We were The ground was fucking frozen, as it would be if you were camped next to a glacier, and the wind was howling all night. I didn't get, like, a wink of sleep. The next day, we were going to the highest point of the hike, 4,600 meters above sea level. This day was super strenuous, steep, muddy, rocky, all sorts of hard. Sherpa, he, um... It's like, right, we're going to bring some ponies up tomorrow. Who wants to ride the pony? If you think you're, like, like a bit slack and a bit slow, then I suggest you ride the pony. He was blatantly sort of, you know, focusing that on me. So I rode the pony. This poor pony, man, it was, like, emaciated and tiny and had to carry me. Because I didn't want to hear Todd moan about how he wished he had a walker or whatever old people moan about, I befriended Emil, this guy that Lauren came with, and he and I together hiked to the top of the glacier. He informed me that he was getting all sorts of advice from Todd about how relationships worked. I said nothing. I just giggled at this and continued to look out at the amazing greenery, jagged rocks, glaciers, that sort of thing. We took pictures, and Lauren rejoined us to climb down off the glacier. The descent was really sandy, rocky, really difficult, as we were going through the cloud forest. We finally got to camp again after dark, and everyone was playing soccer football. The next morning, I woke up to snorting outside my tent, and I peered outside and actually became breathless for the first time. It might have been because of altitude, but the colors were unlike anything in the Photoshop color wheel. It was as if God pulled this green carpet of meringue, and these super steep peaks just formed. As my eyes traveled down the Andes, I realized that our campsite was full of pigs. Hence the snorting. I named them all Todd because I'm 12 and got out to use the bathroom. And this was the morning that Lauren and I started to become really good friends. How do you become really good friends? You reveal something super embarrassing. Like how I met Todd and how he had... And then he'd stalked her to this this trek and then denied that he'd stalked her. I don't know that he knew that I knew. But he definitely knew that me and Ellen were like, you know... Pretty bum chummy. The next day was pretty chill. Every day the scenery changed and just got more lovely somehow. The views, the greenery, falling asleep in the grass, all this became a new daily ritual that I could totally get used to. Except for the annoying fact that there was this smelly Canadian who was getting smellier by the hour now that we didn't have running water. And he just wouldn't shut up about his feels. 
We went back to camp, had a huge dinner. There was a bonfire and some music playing out of speakers. Emil, for whatever reason, thought that it was this great idea to bring a bottle of rum on the trek. And he was right. And then him and Ellen decided it'd be a great idea to just drink the whole fucking thing and dance to Michael Jackson all night. As you do. I'm pretty sure I said a lot of embarrassing things that night. I'm also pretty sure that the party went on until 3 a.m. And then all of a sudden, I just didn't feel well. I blamed the altitude, blamed the sugar and the coke, blamed the rum, blamed the smoke or the fire that seemed to get everywhere. But all of a sudden, I just couldn't stand up. I collapsed in my tent and then proceeded to vomit all night in my tent. The lovely Argentinian Boy Scouts took care of me and gave me water, but the mosquitoes totally took advantage of the fact that my tent was open and proceeded to eat my face. That was a really bad night. The next day, me and Emil... And Ellen was going to come, but her hung- she was too hungover. We went off and we, um, we went ziplining on the highest zipline in South America, which was pretty cool, actually. Ellen did not go ziplining. Ellen took the bus. Because of the mosquito bites, Ellen's eyes were swelled shut. Everything hurt. There was no way hiking was going to happen. It took over five hours of drinking water and chewing coca leaves for me to even feel semi-human again. I couldn't tell you at all what happened during this time. But Lauren told me later that Todd approached her. There was a moment when he realized that me and Ellen were pretty tight. And he just started to tell me about how Ellen had ruined his life. And, uh, I was a bit dubious about all that. But uh, I think he was still persisting in chasing her anyway. We arrived in Agua Calientes, which translates to hot water, which they had heaps of. I took a shower for the first time in four days and fluffed out my hair to make it look like a llama. We had cooey, which is guinea pig, for the first time. We had to go to bed early to prepare for the next morning, because at 4 a.m. we had to wake up. It was pitch black. You could either take the road, which wound 10 kilometers around the mountain, or you could climb the stairs, all 1,450 of them, vertical stairs, ascending 400 meters up to the sun gate of Machu Picchu. Because I'm insane, I decided to run up and time myself. So we started hiking up these steps, and uh, to start with, I was just thinking, shit, I better keep up with everyone else, because it's pitch black and I'm probably going to do myself a mischief. And then as time went on, I realized there was no way in hell I was going to keep up with everyone else. Everyone sweated. A lot. In fact, you sweat so much that it's recommended to bring an extra pair of clothes to change into after the climb. Some of us, like me, who made it up the stairs in 37 minutes flat, made it to the sun gate for the sunrise. While others... I missed the sunrise, obviously, because I was fannying around so much. I just didn't have the minerals to get out of there. And when I got to the top, I would think everyone else must have been up there for fucking ages. I think I was probably the last person to go up the top. Even the Chinese birds were up there. Loving it. We all took the obligatory pictures. We got a short tour. I don't really remember that much about it, but we did have these other tickets to climb up Wainupichu, another mountain that ascends an additional 360 meters above Machu Picchu. Okay, no problem. Let's go. I mean, when in Rome, right? We've already hiked this far. We might as well do a little bit more. So we did, 
And there's this bit where you can sit down and look at Machu Picchu, which is probably the best viewpoint in the entire world as far as I'm concerned. I have this picture where it looks like I'm sitting on a cliff, looking down at the Machu Picchu ruins. And so many thoughts are going through your head. I'm exhausted. I want to sleep. But it's Machu Picchu. I wonder how far it is to the ground from here. I'm hungry. <laughs> I really want that hot chocolate again. Apparently, I wasn't the only one that had thoughts. Lauren also had some. And then, like, you sit on the top of this ruin and you're looking down and you're sort of thinking to yourself, what would happen if I threw myself off? You know, like, it's a long way down. When would I hit the bottom? Or which bit of me would catch a rock first? Or, I don't know. That Just that sort of weird feeling. It was also one of these moments where you can finally relax. Where everything in the world just seems easy in comparison. Part of you feels invincible, but another part of you feels just exhausted and ready to go for a really long nap. We decided to cut our day short because of the exhaustion of the whole thing, and also Machu Picchu became overcrowded with tourists. So we headed down off the mountain to the coffee shop where I slurped the best hot chocolate of my life and made plans with Emil and Lauren to meet in Arequipa. The best part is that I never saw or heard from Todd again. And there was much rejoicing. But this is the part that shocked me. I always felt alone when I was describing my Machu Picchu trek to people who were just dying to go. But I found out that Lauren, too, felt the same way. The whole experience, really, and actually being in the ruin, in Machu Picchu, one of the wonders of the world, I didn't really care about the, the ruin. I didn't really... I, I really wasn't bothered. It wasn't something spectacular to me anymore because... The trek was more of an experience than, than the actual being there. When I go back to think about my Machu Picchu trek, I remember the drama of the old man Todd convetching about how women have fucked up his life. I remember making friends with Lauren and taping up her blisters every time we stopped. I remember getting way too drunk with a meal and doing the thriller dance and bonfire smoke and then getting eaten alive by mosquitoes. The trek was the experience, not the ruins themselves. It was making new friends and doing a lot of strenuous hiking and climbing and getting those achievements unlocked every day. I remember Machu Picchu being the best example of it's about the journey, not the destination, even though that's not what's advertised by any books anywhere. Thanks to Lauren Jennings for helping me recreate this memory. Todd's name has been changed to protect the old. Thanks, Robin, for helping me edit this and make it gooder. Global Journey, Ricardo Cobo, Irving Berlin, and Kesha helped provide the music. And if you want to know anything else about me, I can be found at lnlurie.com. And feel free to email me too, ln.lurie at yahoo.com. I'll see you guys next time.